0: You're listening to The Voice of Dog. This is Rob McWolf, your fellow traveler, and today's story is an excerpt from Lost Inside the Blue Line by Harry A. Wozzeck, otherwise known to The Voice of Dog as Herr Wozzeck. He has self-published today's excerpted novel. You can find it on Amazon, either in paperback or Kindle formats. You can find other works of his either on his Patreon or his Fur Affinity pages. Please enjoy. Lost Inside the Blue
1: Line By Harry A. Wozniak So, you want to steer Kyle to your alliance, huh? Yes, if possible.
0: Roberta frowned, crossing her arms as she regarded the hawk's nervous glances to the ground back at the campsite. Well, I don't know, kiddo. About what? asked Avery what your plans are for the merge once it happens, said Roberta. You gotta admit, asking us to save someone from Mahamamo, for you is kinda asking for an alliance we can't keep up with once
1: we merge. True, said Clara. We don't know what their numbers will look like. DeQuan shrugged. It'll be
0: good for our numbers if Mahamamo makes it there, he said. If it gets to that point and Mahamamo does as poorly as they always have, I don't think we'll even need that advantage, said Roberta. No offense, Avery, but another number for you ain't good for my game. Avery opened his mouth to speak, but before he could say anything, Lee shuffled toward the fire. Does it matter? The salamander asked, his deep gray eyes linting with the light. Roberta blinked. It kinda does, she said. With alliances splintering, we all know how that's gonna go. Those alliances will splinter that late in the game no matter what you do, said Lee. I think it'd make more sense to
1: agree to it in the off chance that it might help you in the long run. Roberta frowned, but before the cougar could say anything, Leah scooched forward.
0: He has a point, she said. We're only a week into the game as is, and we don't know what's going to happen, but we now in the merge. Sure, maybe it'll be a bad idea, but unless they pull a have-not situation on the other tribe like it is in Paolau,
1: they can't keep losing until the merge. Roberta sighed. I guess you bring up a good point. I just want to be ready
0: for when the game gets cutthroat. It hasn't hit that stage for us just yet, Lee said. He turned to the hawk slowly. Avery, I don't think there's much we can promise now, but if it gets dire later in the game, I'm down to help. Same, said Leah. She then turned to Rachel. I bet you're going along with it too, right, Rachel? You bet, Rachel grinned, gently nudging Maya's shoulder. Counting Angela, that means you're in
1: the minority, Roberta. Roberta sighed. I guess you got a point. Clara placed a hoof on Roberta's
0: shoulder and said, I'll trust your judgment on this. She turned back to
1: Avery. But for now, I think you've got my back on that.
0: Thank you, Avery said, bowing his head as he felt a sense of relief flood through his entire being. I thought you'd all be more wary of that. Again, it's early in the game, Lee said. Things can change. Then looked directly into the fire. I think a smart player can look at those changes and adapt. Roberta nodded, the cougar's ears flicking gently. Yeah, I get getcha, she said. I hope this isn't a mistake. Kyle's trustworthy? Avery said, I don't think we'll be making a mistake. A silence fell over Manja. Avery glanced around, realizing how oddly comforting it was to have solidarity in a game like Scavenger Hunters. Roberta was right that it was a very cutthroat game.
1: But at that moment, he found himself surrounded by friends, and that was good enough for him. Avery settled in on his spot in the communal
0: sleeping area. He preferred sleeping closer to the edge of camp. He would often sleep on his side on a much harder. He would often sleep on his side on a much harder surface, and where he slept provided the best view of the stars above. There was something about the stars of Madagascar that were more intense than they were in Montana. It was a beautiful starscape, and Avery took it in that note, serenading by the snores of the rest of the Mancha tribe. It was then he felt a shift behind him, and looked back to find Daquan. In the starlight, Avery could just make out his smile. Sorry, didn't know you're that sensitive. Daquan usually slept closer to the center of the shelter, but on a clear night like what they were witnessing, he realized just how strange it was to have Daquan's breath dancing on the feathers on the back of his neck, right at the edge of the shelter. It was, however, a strangeness he welcomed, and every lin... And Avery leaned into it subconsciously. You're right, you're all right. I wasn't sleeping anyway. Right, DeQuan propped his head on his hand, looking down at the hawk with that same devilish smile glinting in the starlight. Avery turned slightly towards DeQuan. Thanks for having my back about Kyle, Avery whispered. I
1: appreciate it. Hey, anything for an ally. You nervous he'll make it there? A little. I know he's sometimes abrasive, and that can lose him allies. I can't help it, I guess, he sighed. DeQuan exhaled.
0: Sounds like you put a lot of stock in what he thinks, he said. Yeah, I went to him about everything. Everything? Yeah, Avery leaned his torso back slightly the back of his shirt just ghosting over DeQuan's torso. I'd rather not get into it if you don't mind. Not in front of the cameras? DeQuan asked. No, said Avery. He realized there weren't any camera lights around the camp for once. It was a brief respite, although it left Avery wondering how late at night the camera crews were around. There are... Things I don't want some people to know about me, the hawk continued. Oh, I wonder what they are. The hawk and the pit bull gazed into each other's eyes. Avery could have sworn he saw some mischief in the dog's eyes, but his instinct was to let it slide. The cameras weren't there. If there was ever a time to gauge DeQuan, Avery turned his head back to the stars but he ever so subtly pressed his back against Daquan's torso, experimentally, seeing how the pit bull would react. Avery only felt a light contact of Daquan's paws on his hip, but that was all Avery needed. He sighed, adjusting his posture but not pulling away.
1: Stars are lovely at this time of night. Yeah, asked Daquan, and you know? Not really, said Avery. Constellations are weird here, I don't recognize any of them. Duquan's
0: paw pads dug gently into Avery's hips, the fingers just snaking over the curve of his hip. Sounds about right, he said. Sometimes that's a pitfall of being in an unfamiliar place. Things you're looking for aren't always there. His nervous tension rose again, but at the sight of Duquan's smile it faded almost immediately. But I... Guess there's something nice to be surprised
1: by? Dequan chuckled, the sound deep and rumbling. He then shifted his posture, his hand remaining on Avery's hip.
0: We should get some sleep. We got immunity to worry about. Yeah, said Avery, closing his eyes. Good night, Dequan. Good night. As Avery drifted off, he smiled, all of his nervous energy all of his nervous energy going into the game,
1: vanishing with each breath as he slowly sank into a deep slumber. Avery found himself on a farm.
0: The smell of cherries danced in his nostrils, and he could almost feel the way the branches tickled the top of his head. The day was slightly overcast, but there was a strangely comfortable warmth, one that complemented the summer breeze well. Louise, it's a lovely day outside. Come out of the shade. Avery turned to his right, seeing a rather masculinely dressed German shepherd standing outside of a cabin. Avery didn't know when the cabin had sprung out of the ground, but there it was, the August sun bearing down on it gently. It was as he looked on that he realized two things. The first was that the German shepherd looked familiar, like his neighbors back in Montana. The second was the identity of the slightly older sheepdog who sat there holding her dress down in the wind. Mrs. Smith? If they'd heard Avery, they didn't acknowledge him then, the sheepdog shaking her head. It's too warm outside, the sheepdog continued. It's perfect. The German shepherd then crossed over to the sheepdog. Come on, let's get out there and pick some cherries. I guess... Avery recognized the sheepdog almost straight away as the other woman that lived with Mrs. Smith. She was also a Mrs.
1: Smith. And as he thought about them, he wondered why they were appearing in his dream. How dare you? That was when he
0: heard his father's voice barrel across the landscape, knocking leaves from the cherry trees. Avery immediately turned around, seeing the visage of his father rushing up to him. Behind him, he could faintly make out the specter of a rather tall deer, which hovered over the older hawk as he stormed toward Avery. That is not normal. His father's voice rang out in the air. You know this. Avery moved toward where Mrs. Smith had stood. Dad, wait, Avery shouted. She's not doing anything wrong, right, Mrs.? When Avery looked back at the house, it had vanished. The field was barren of all the cherry trees. An ominous shade of orange tinted everything, even his feathers. I raised you to be a good boy, Avery's father continued. This is not what a good boy does. Avery squeezed his eyes shut, lifting his arms. Dad, please, it's a little late for please. Avery opened his eyes to find everything had changed around him. His father still stood before him, but rather than the specter of the deer hovering behind him, A rhino he recognized from his days in art school walked out from behind the avian. You're disgusting, you know that? Asked the rhino. Avery blinked. Johnny? He shook his head. Why? You know what you did. You know what you're doing right now. Johnny, please, just let me explain. You had your chance and you blew it. Suddenly, Avery felt something pull him off his feet and down he tumbled through nothingness. He sank among a slew of papers with crude ink drawings on them. It wasn't just crude art in the sense that the lines were messy, either. The suggestive glances each page threw at Avery almost taunted him with what he could never have. This is where that led, Johnny's voice rang out in his head. You were warned. Avery looked up. I'm sorry, I can't help it. Yes, you can. The hawk let out a scream as his arms slapped uselessly to avoid crashing into the ground. He tried to slow down, but he fell faster and faster until... The hawk opened his eyes, blearily. He was back in Madagascar, and the sun was about to rise. The sky behind him was navy blue in contrast to the blackness he faced. The shelter beneath the right side of his body was at once familiar and hard, and if he wondered if he'd just woken up from a dream, he shifted his body and found DeQuan's arms wrapped around his torso.
1: His eyes darted straight outside the shelter. Someone, somewhere, was getting this on camera. That fact alone
0: was enough to disquiet him. He knew how his father would react if they watched it on TV, the way he watched other things. Soon enough, they'll be converting children to their ways. And that, my friends, is why we can't have this movie coming out in theaters. I'm your host, Bucker Anderson, and this is my show. Thank you for tuning in. Avery sighed. His room was dark, save for a desk lamp. It was just enough light for him to make out the blue line of the comic page he was sketching out. It was a short assignment for one of his classes, one he'd taken home with him over the break. Avery was thankful for the distraction. Even if Bucker Anderson had ended his hour, Avery knew what came next. You think I should show that to Mrs. Smith? He shivered as he heard his father's voice from the kitchen. It was deep and authoritative, and his twang sounded more distinctly from the Carolinas than it did from anywhere near Montana. Please, James, you now should never let us back on the farm if you did, Avery's mother said, her voice carrying a musical cadence. I can't make my cherry pie without her cherries. You can make do, Avery could visualize the eye roll. It's just, he's not wrong, is he? They make all these things that other people will see, and then, boom, suddenly it changes their minds like that. It's not like that, said Mrs. Fisher. At least it can't be like that. Not so quick, you know. It just doesn't make sense because I feel like the number of times I've seen this miss kiss in front of me, I should've been the lesbian by now. And yet here I am. Well. A silence came over the house. Avery blinked, realizing only then that his drawing hand had stopped sketching the comic page. He didn't know when he'd stop, but his hand was tense, the tip of the blue line pencil hovering just above the sketch pad. It hung on everything waiting for a reply. I guess you're right. but It's too late for you. We gotta worry about other people that might do that. It's just, it's weird, and we can't have that cropping up anywhere else near here.
1: Avery felt his arm twitch.
0: He glanced at the drawer in his desk, thinking about the art that lay within. He imagined his father bounding up the steps at that moment and looking for what was in there. After everything that had happened with Johnny, Avery could imagine nothing worse. So he continued to sketch. His strokes became firmer, more rapid.
1: Anything to give him something to concentrate other than his parents' customary late-night discussions. Avery and his dad had bonded over scavenger hunters together. How would he take to seeing
0: this? He shivered slightly his feathers flaring as he looked past the edge of the shelter and onto the ground. He thought to get out of there, but truth be told, he didn't want to disappoint Daquan either. The pit bull had been nothing but kind to him, and he didn't want to repeat of what had happened with Johnny in art school. Dequan was going to be this kind to him, he deserved that back. The hawk's thoughts raced a mile a minute as he rubbed the back of his head. With their sixth challenge in a row under their belts, he felt the pressure would be on them to keep going, but whatever happened, he felt they would have it. And he tried to concentrate on that as his heart raced onward. He tried not to think about the arms wrapped around him. Come on in, guys. At James's usual declaration, the Manja tribe sorted into their usual tribal mats. Avery looked at Rachel as she planted the tribe's standard into the ground, all members of Manja still standing tall. It was then they watched the Mahamomo tribe walk in. James wasted no time, crossing his arms over his excellently ironed shirt as he regarded them. Manja getting their first look at the new Mahamomo, the retriever said. Mary voted out at tribal council last night. At that moment, Avery felt Daquan's elbow press up gently against his forearm. You think they'll still be able to do the challenge with numbers that low? Daquan whispered. We'll see. Then, Avery noticed the burlap bag by James's feet. It's been a pretty rough ten days for you, Mahamomo, the golden retriever said. He turned directly to Kyle. Kyle, how does it feel to lose this much? Kyle chuckled bitterly, the annul shaking his head from where he stood the front row. It sucks. I just want to win sometime, damn it. James turned to Roberta. Roberta, as a leader in Manja tribe, do you think you'll have the energy to keep up your challenge successes against Mahamamo tribe? Roberta crossed her arms. We've been doing well so far, James. And we'll steamroll over them, because we're just that strong a team. James placed his hands on his hips. He regarded both tribes and then nodded, his tail swishing behind him. Well, in a game like this, expect the unexpected, he said. And today we have a surprise! With this, he turned, pulling out a basket with multiple grayish sacks. And as Ivory eyed this, he stilled, knowing almost exactly what James would say next. Everybody drop your buffs. We're swapping tribes! This was an excerpt of Lost Inside the Blue Line by Harry A. Votsek. Read for you by Rob McWolf. Werewolf Hitchhiker. You can find more stories on the web at thevoice.dog or find the show wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening to The Voice of Dog.